Hey everyone, this is your friend Bully, and you're listening to Bully Esquire. In this podcast, we chat with the movers and shakers from the worlds of finance, tech, crypto, politics, law, and media, and everything in between. Thanks for joining. Let's dive in. This podcast is powered by Blockworks, the fastest growing crypto media company. Blockworks has 20 crypto and finance podcasts, and I'm excited to be part of the network. Visit blockworks.co for access to the highest quality information in the space. I promise you won't be disappointed. Today's episode is brought to you by Node40, Crypto.com, and Gemini. You'll hear more about them later in the episode. Hey everyone, it's Billy Esquire. Thanks for joining. Uh, today I have Coin Artist, the CEO and founder of Blockade Games, which is releasing Neon District next week. So I'm I'm super excited. Coin Artist, thanks for thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's busy. Uh, you know, the new year kicking off and everybody's finally back in school. And so we're getting <laughs> finally. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Well, good. Well, well, th- yeah, thanks for joining me. I know uh, you have a lot going on, as you noted, so I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, to sit down with me and talk about what's going on in your world. So, you know, one thing I like to ask my guests straight away is um, how they got into crypto, how they got into this crazy place. I know you've been around for a while. We've followed one another on Twitter for ages. So, I know you probably have an interesting story like everyone else, so I'd love to hear it. Sure. So I uh, got into crypto, I'd say, back in 2013. Um, In my family, we have a bunch of computer science engineers, people that went to school and grad school uh, for computer science. And it was at a family gathering around that time where someone ran off to um, what was Charlie Shrem's company back in the day, uh, where you would wire transfer some cash. Oh, right. <laughs> I know um, what you're talking about. And I was like, and I've had a bad experience before doing that, like on eBay, where you wire transferred something. I had a friend do this and they got scammed. So immediately I was thinking, wait, what are you, who are you sending money? What are you doing? And for, and then they're like, you know, for Bitcoin and it's virtual currency. And at this point in my mind, I'm like, what? And when someone explained it to you for the first time, you're thinking, mm-hmm wait, like a computer makes a bunch of numbers and you're saying that that's valuable. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that was my onboarding into Bitcoin. There afterwards, we were all also gamers. So uh, we had some pretty fancy uh, gaming rigs and we found out that we could uh, be mining script coins at the time. And this was around Litecoin was really starting to take off and 2013. Um, and so uh, we were using our computers for that. And then um, and then as I was, I guess, discovering what was possible with cryptocurrency, uh, in 2013, we were using our gaming GPUs for us for mining script coins. And I also was a fine artist. So as I'm walking through all these steps of what's going on and um, what actually is a cryptocurrency. So the way I began to understand it was that um, basically you have a network of computers racing to solve cryptographic puzzles, and then the winner, uh, the winning computer, basically gets the the Bitcoin as the prize, mm. um, and then the network, you know, that verifies that yep, that's the winning computer. That was the solution to this uh, cryptographic challenge, and and onwards. So 
I started thinking about how, as an, like, in my artist mind, like how the human brain and act as in solving puzzles and unlocking prizes. And so then I started my journey of using um, cryptocurrency and, and um, cryptography and steganography in artwork, which I did for about six years um, and worked for various uh, crypto projects using um, that skill set and creating essentially what was virtual treasure hunts. So races to uh, people competing and, and racing to unlock the cryptocurrency prices. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. So, sorry to interrupt you there. I, I'm just curious about that. And I remember you, I, I remember seeing you post those back in the day and that's probably what precipitated me to follow you. I just found it curious. How does that work? Was it like you'd try to find a private key based on some sort of hint in, in the artwork? So you it usually is multiple steps um, depending. You can eat all... I, I've done it a few different ways. One being a, a self-contained um, artwork, either digital or physical, that has all the information needed and you don't have to go anywhere else on the web. And I've also done it though, where you'll get what's called a trailhead, which is the initial information and it will have some sort of indicators that lead you to the next step of the trail, which could be anywhere on the, on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, and then you'll get the next clue, the next clue. So that's called, um, I, I, usually when I do that, I lean on what's called alternate reality gaming. So you take themes, stories and themes. And so the experience becomes more immersive as opposed to just being presented with a math problem. It's usually presented in an abstract means that makes it, uh, you're gonna learn things like Shakespeare or whatever other themes are exploring at the time along the way, mm -hmm. which makes it more fun. Um, but, I think the most successful piece that you might have seen would have been the um, the One Flame and Six or the Torched Hearts painting, which it was famous because it was solved during the 2017-18 bull run mm -hmm. during the peak. And um, at the time, it had been unsolved for about three years. And I had put five Bitcoin into it in 2015. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, then, so then it, gained all this interest because at the height of the bull run, it was $100,000. Of course, it would have been a lot more now if it had still been involved, but um, for that bull run, it was $100,000. And so some engineers, uh, a team of engineers picked up on it and were able to complete the challenge. And when they solved it, I think it was $50,000. Um, so that one, yeah, that one was, I think the most famous, but we've done, like we've done quite a few, I would say that we've done somewhere between 15 to 20 at least different puzzles and trails along like in my career. Sure. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I, I know we'll probably get to this later, but that sort of dovetails well into this idea of NFTs and kind of the new um, developments from both a technological end and artistic point of view that are happening on Ethereum and other other chains right now sort of integrating art and the physical world I guess that you know what you were doing back in 2016 and 17 that's sort of like the precursor to, to what's happening now right yeah well the thing that's really neat is when those crypto puzzles I stayed with it because I found when I initially did the very first one it was it became the most popular thread on on uh, Bitcoin talk at the time, and, and that was in 2014. 
And so I was like, okay, something is really sticky about this. What's going on? Um, and I, I think that people loved the educational process and interacting with the different mediums and then also being able to pull out that value out of a digital experience. Um, but the problem is that not everybody wins, not financially anyway. Uh, there's, while you might have some fun takeaways from learning about whatever, you know, we're talking to throughout puzzles. If I was working for a product, let's say I did some puzzles for Decred or Filecoin or Litecoin, um, you'll learn about the product as you're walking through the puzzle trail, but you're, and that's the thing you're taking away, but you don't get the value, like the actual financial tradable value. And now with um, basically this content creator, uh, new content creator, I guess, uh, markets that we're developing, you can be one, the puzzle maker designer that's creating content and capture value from that part. And then also as a, the consumer, as you go along the way and unlock the content, you can also then have something tradable and valuable, um, which means that the whole experience now is monetized. And that means like, I mean, it's just huge. We're seeing this incredible influx for, so in my case, I'm talking about a gamified experience, but if we're just stepping back and even just speaking to just the art content creator, and that's just the simple exchange of me creating an art piece and someone else buying it. Um, from here with non-fungible tokens, we are going to probably see in the very, I would say this year, people are going to be breaking apart what is this artistic creation, and it can be in layers. So you will have tradable, um, like modify, like being able to modify layers and also like coding, custom code for the layers. Mm -hmm. And when you think of that as a package bundle, and um, even if it's a community building meme where you're taking such an asset and building on top of it, where you have the parent and then you have the children of the NFT um, and it's trading and there's like a historical value to it that's going back to the original owner. Um, it's just, it's gonna get so weird so fast that what we're gonna be struggling with is standardization at first because there's going to be lots of different groups moving into what they think works best. Um, and then whatever is the most sticky is what is gonna be adopted across the space. And then we're gonna be modifying and adding to from there. But yeah, so what I call um, dynamic, um, dynamic NFTs, you see async, async art is working on some approaches. Um, there's another project called Beyond NFT and there's a few others. But so the next generation of NFTs is we're just on the precipice of it. So while we're like, all a buzz about just how fun it is for these, uh, just the artistic creation drops like Beeple who did his drop and it was like 700 something thousand. Um, and then this other NFT just sold yesterday for $800,000. That was an in-game castle that is part of a game for one of the original Zynga co-founders from Farmville. Um, they're launching a game. And so that asset is a part of that experience, but yeah, it sold for $800,000. And <laughs> like, so yeah, the, the in, so in-game, uh, I guess I'll just, I'm sure you have a question, but the game platforms bring that additional utility to the NFTs, whereas they're not just art pieces, but now they're like, they're dynamic. And that's where I think the experiences and the real value is gonna come in our next five year trajectory. Um, 
because I think there's going to be so many artists flooding the space, but if they're not supported by different platforms for experiences, I think that, I don't know if they're going to be sustainable and we'll seem like at those same prices that we're seeing currently. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I had Franklin Fitch on a, maybe a month or two ago and we, we sort of dove into NFTs. It's really, really interesting. And like you said, there's sort of this creative land grab going on right now where the sky's the limit. I mean, there's NFTs associated with music and audio files and visual files and physical pieces. And like you said, in, in sort of in-game experiences or even like digital real estate to some extent. And it's so fun, you know, to watch all of this stuff develop in real time because it's like the most creative people that are drawn to it. So inevitably they come up with really cool stuff. And, you know, I, I find your remark interesting on sort of the game being like the platform in a way. So maybe we can get into like what, what Neon District is and sort of how um, Neon District is leveraging this blockchain technology to provide its users with a gaming experience. Like, I'm just curious, like, can you tell my listeners what it is and kind of what, how you came up with the idea and how it's using blockchain? Yeah, so in 20, um, beginning of 2018, we launched Blockade Games. Um, I've been working with different developers and collaborators over the course of, you know, my time in the space. And I felt like I took the best of the best and we founded Blockade Games. Um, we did it because NFTs basically had just landed. And this was January 2018. So CryptoKitties was really big at the end of 2017. And what was neat was it was basically the first time the idea of the meta, uh, like a meta coin could really take off. Um, there've been lots of attempts at sort of a meta coin experience like uh, colored coins back on Bitcoin. Um, and what was neat about the meta coin idea is that it's basically, few, when you think of a Bitcoin, it's, it's fungible, right? You trade one Bitcoin for one Bitcoin. But the non-fungible token being that you can trade trade an object that is unique onto itself because of its metadata attributes. So being able to transfer um, an asset with the metadata attributes where they don't get washed in the transfers, but everything is tied and bundled together. And that it can also be dynamic where you can up, continue to update it. It's not a static state. Um, that's really neat. <clears throat> so when that hit, we wanted, we founded Blocky Games and we thought about if we could make any game with these sort of characteristics, what would it be? And for me, I'm a big RPG fan, a role-playing role game fan. So we started thinking about like, what about a World of Warcraft type experience where you have characters and gear and then you take them on adventures and the assets update according to how you play with them and compete against other characters with them. And they have this gameplay legacy of their history as they've leveled. Um, and you can make them more, they're like, you can make them look more unique over time as well. And also there's character classes. So that's what we were thinking about, but also we were thinking cyberpunk because the crypto, the crypto community, what we found just in our different uh, puzzle making and experience making over the years was that cyberpunk just hit with everybody. And I think that's probably because of the nature of cryptocurrency. It's so experimental and futuristic that cyberpunk was, it's just the perfect crossover of the genre. Um, so we landed on Neon District, which is a cyberpunk RPG. And we've spent since basically that time working on 
a lot of the ideas in order to make Neonstrip possible. And one of the big visions we had for it was a free to play, like the onboarding experience to be free to play so that you wouldn't even know at first that you're playing a, a blockchain game, that it doesn't have any latency or lag, it plays like a normal game, but you have all those benefits of the assets being um, you know, that you can own them, trade them, swap them out, upgrade them, and then that they are um, essentially capturing the time investment that you're putting into them. Sure. So yes. I, I was a big, I sort of hate to admit it, I was a big WoW player back in like law school and stuff. I um, had my level 80 shaman and all of that. So I, I think I sort of conceptually understand the idea of having sort of a cyberpunk version of this. And I think it's really cool. And I totally agree that it fits kind of the, the feel of crypto. Um, and uh, so my follow-up question there, before we kind of get into the technical underpinnings is like, well, okay, so I have a sword or I have some sort of gear. Um, does, you, you said I could like trade that or sell those and then they upgrade as I do stuff. So it'll go from like level one to level 15 and get better attributes as it mm -hmm. grows. Yes, and um, something we added some functionalities that are a little bit different than that um, in the leveling. So there's a random, like you'll roll each, at the back of a minute, but each asset has a custom, uh, custom cards associated to it per level. Um, so there's the way that you can think about Neon District is it looks and plays like an RPG, like a old school Final Fantasy, where you have two groups, two, two parties battling each other. Mm -hmm. But the mechanics of it, it has a backbone that's very similar to Magic the Gathering. If you're a card, if you're a card game player. Yep, I played both Final Fantasy and Magic, so you're <laughs> speaking my language here. <laughs> So then when you level up your characters, not only are you leveling up their stats, but you're also getting like, you're specializing and you're picking and choosing from the cards and during each level, which ones will be associated. And so character basically has its own deck associated to the character. So when it's that player's turn, you'll be pulling at random three cards at, from that player's deck that you can play. And some of them, um, like of the three, there's the active move, and then sometimes there's also the card that will give you a boost to that card you're playing. Um, yeah, so it, it, and it gets reshuffled every turn. So sometimes you'll just get a killer combo. And right now, like I have worked pretty, I've spent hours on leveling my characters in such a way. Um, and whenever you get those killer combos, it's so exciting. So it has, I guess, when you play Magic the Gathering, like I said, if you're a player, uh, Magic the Gathering player, when you get those same experiences, it's just, it's a similar feeling. But it also that playing like the Final Fantasy with the fancy um, effects, you know, the big splashy special effects, and then the cyberpunk feeling. So yeah, I guess it pulls from all my favorite experiences and and trying to leverage blockchain in ways that make sense. Um, and you once you level, you can't go back. Mm. So while you can swap out pieces, um, so for example, each character consists of the character rig. Your character person, and then five um, NFTs for the like the chest piece, the legs, the arms, and the head headgear. And so when you put that all together, you're composing all these NFTs into one unit. 
and the game reads this as one character. And those characters uh, are will be transferable as one unit, and you can trade them that way. Or you can take those pieces off and swap and sell a piece that you don't like, that's not working out, not giving you the stats you wanted, and giving it and putting on a new piece. And of course, they all aesthetically have certain looks as well. Sure. Um, so with all of those attributes combined, just really trying to play up this asset ownership idea and the leveling and um, customization of your characters and your parties, because essentially they will all be playing together. As you know, like as a WoW player, you want your you don't want to go into a raid without a healer. <laughs> you want to definitely have your heavy. Um, and and yeah, so, so I guess there's six classes in the Neon District, and they all have very specific use cases, and then they get only more specialized as you level them. That makes sense. And are um well I, yeah I have a bunch of questions but I suppose on that topic are are the enemies or the things you're fighting are they um, NP NPCs or are they like other players in the game or how how does the like actual play experience work on that, that yes yeah, right now it's um it's right now it's player versus player and that's what we're um we're really working on at the moment and then the PVE comes the player versus environment with the NPCs, what you're talking about, that comes with our campaign play. So the campaign play comes up in uh, quarter two mm-hmm. of this year. Um, but currently we're ramping up for what's called um, Neon Pizza. So while we're in private alpha, uh, getting basically the player versus player combat really smoothed out. That's on the other, on the other side of this experience is Neon Pizza, which is basically it's you get to play as either side as the pizza deliverer or the the mob that basically attacks the pizza drivers and, and then you enter combat um, so there's strategy to how you're basically entering the combat and then you enter the combat and then there's also winning like winning neon which is the in-game currency and you can funnel that neon which is not it's not a cryptocurrency it's just an in-game currency you, but you can funnel it back into your assets so it's designed in a way that you never actually need to own cryptocurrency to play to create something potentially valuable that you can then trade for, for your first cryptocurrency. Hmm. Very cool. And with the, I know you mentioned the card idea earlier, is that sort of behind the scenes or do you actually have unique cards that you can sort of buy and trade in addition to your gear? So you can't buy the cards. The cards are like tied to the gear and characters or the weapons. I see. Um, Oh, the armor, sorry. So yeah, it's armor, weapons, and characters. But um, but the, the as you level them, and, and maybe that's a feature we can add in the future, but currently, yeah, it's just sort of what happens when you level. I see. So it's like a skill tree sort of thing where as you level, you get access to more cards or maybe more powerful cards. Yep. And then, um, and then you, yes, you'll see them in your dashboard. We just put a video out on our social media and I'm sure we'll have more out soon. Um, but you can see how the cards are used in the gameplay. And so how, how is it? Well, let me back up uh, as far as the back end. So this it's a blockchain game in that like the pieces used are NFT. So each piece, each gear is technically an NFT and those are tradable. Are those ERC-20 tokens or or like ERC-721 or whatever they are? Those are ERC-721s. Gotcha. Okay. So if I had a chess set that I really liked and you wanted to buy it, I could basically send it to your in-game wallet or something. Is that how the mechanics would work? 
a chest set or like a piece of gear like a chest set or um like a helmet or oh okay i said chest <laughs> no 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 queen's gambit aside <laughs> um, uh, yep yeah so if uh you wanted so actually open c is adding matic support right now so neon district it happens on layer two ethereum which is the matic network i mean there's other layer twos but the, that's the solution we picked and alongside actually um, some other major Skyweaver just announced that they're also going to be on Matic and Avagachi is also going on Matic. Um, and so OpenSea is adding support, which means that you'll be able to look at the OpenSea user interface and see all of your assets that are in your Matic wallet and you'll be able to trade with other players, which is much cheaper than having to need these assets through the Ethereum gateway. We have the gateway already live. So you can actually take your assets through the Ethereum gateway and trade them on OpenSea on Ethereum if you want to. But those trades and moving them like that, um, while we cover it on the back end, it's still like expensive. So if players can sidestep all of that and they can do everything on Matic. Um, that's so cool uh, and, and cheap. So we basically, as a as an industry, uh, are lowering the barriers to entry or, yeah, to entry and also have good experiences across the board. This year, the IRS will require you to report your crypto activity when filing your tax returns. Crypto savvy taxpayers are using Node 40 to determine the taxes they owe or losses to claim. Whether you've traded the top five tokens or dove into the new and exciting world of DeFi, Node 40 will provide a bulletproof picture of your current tax liability. Exchanges alone can't provide the reports you need. That's why you need a group of crypto tax geeks like the team at Node40 in your corner. With Node40, you won't have to worry about surprises come tax time. Be smart, be prepared, and embrace your crypto lifestyle. My listeners can even take advantage of a bully promo code by signing up today at node40.com slash bully. That's N-O-D-E 40.com slash B-U-L-L-Y. The Crypto.com Visa card pays you up to 8% cash back instantly. They also give you up to 100% rebate for Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime. What's more, you can enjoy unlimited airport lounge access and interbank exchange rates. Plus, there are no annual, monthly, or ATM withdrawal fees to worry about. Get $25 worth of CRO when you download the Crypto.com app with the code BULLY and stake 2500 CRO or more to reserve a metal card. Reserve yours today at the Crypto.com app. Join Gemini, the number one cryptocurrency exchange in the world. Gemini is the go-to platform for beginners and sophisticated investors alike looking to build their crypto empire. It's available in more than 50 countries with industry-leading security, insurance, and uptime. You'll get access to the best-performing assets of the decade, including Bitcoin and Ethereum. Schedule your reoccurring buys on the Gemini mobile app to steadily build your position and go long and strong on crypto. Open a free account today in under three minutes at gemini.com slash bully. If you do, you get 10 bucks in Bitcoin after you trade $100 or more within 30 days. Once again, that's gemini.com slash bully. It's so cool because, you know, I, I interview people all the time and we sort of debate the layer one versus layer two scaling issues. And it's also philosophical or academic. And now you're like, no, here's like an actual practical real world use case for this layer two sidechain that can help scale the Ethereum network in a way that's better for the customers and better for, 
you know, Ethereum network too. So then you take congestion off the layer one chain and yeah, it all, it all makes so much sense when you sort of apply this example to it. But when you just discuss it, you're like, well, what, what the hell is Matic and what is Ethereum? So th these are like really interesting use cases that you can apply to the scaling debate. It's cool. Well, and I think the experience is in such a way that as a player, if you're enjoying the game, you really aren't like, you don't care being on the back end you know you're you're getting paid if you're a mainstream just gamer for you what is most important is that is the does the game feel broken or not you know can't feel broken and two like you're trading your assets and you're either getting cool assets back or you're getting cryptocurrency back like the while people there are people that care about the security care about functionality care about the fact the wallet is custodial or not studio those other questions those are your main like consumer. Sure. While yeah. we do, like we have all of those boxes checked, but it's not like someone comes to our game for those reasons, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, 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 I've like considered launching my own startups in the past and I've spoken with founders in the space. And there's always that question, like, why, why are you using blockchain? Why don't you just use some centralized database on the back end? Um, and, you know, it's interesting to, to understand your project because it seems like there's a there's sort of this hybrid balance between being kind of a centralized system. So you get the advantages of that, but also still being able to utilize this great technology that makes, you know, uh, these tokens non-fungible but tradable in uh, third-party systems. I, I remember trying to buy gear off of like eBay back in the day and it was a nightmare. So to kind of pull out the marketplace side of it and allow that to create, a, I guess, a side marketplace, a third-party marketplace is really cool. And it's a great concept to integrate into an RPG. Right, all the blockchain experience points of um, what happens in the industry. So that's all using decentralized technology. And like Matic is, um, it's a public network mm -hmm. with, um, with a numerous validators. Um, Skyweaver just did an awesome thread about, about uh, Matic. But <clears throat> so with the game itself being centralized, right? Like the game interacts and calls to the assets, makes calls to the assets and updates them with what executes in the game. And that's how the metadata gets updated. But those assets and all that information is still decentralized mm -hmm. and player. That's interesting. And then, so uh, how do people play it? Is it through your browser? Mm -hmm. Yep, it's, it's okay. a web browser. We, we did try originally to, we were making a Unity game and we were launching on Steam. But um, actually what we found that deploying to the web was gonna be a faster to market and it was gonna in, like be a larger user base and also easier path to mobile at launch. Mm -hmm. So we made that pivot actually back in, it's in May. Sure. So uh, another question I wanted to ask is, uh, you know, you hear about like Decentraland and I guess you alluded to earlier the the Zenga guys starting something kind of in this world. Have you guys thought about, I guess, tokenizing the, the actual like physical real estate in the game itself? Or is that, were you more interested in kind of the gear and the RPG experience over that? So that is, I think, like the next big, um, I guess, that'll be the next big challenge, development mm -hmm. challenge 
that we're facing. It's on our roadmap for um, Q3 this year, as far as to start drafting out what that will look like. We have the world map designed. We have a wiki of over 500 pages of story <laughs> and events. Um, and so basically we're introduced with the first part of the campaign where we have our introduction of players into the world of Neon District. And there's many districts and in, in areas of this, this like game universe. Um, so for one, we believe that the map and the property in real estate will be like something we really wanna have, but we also wanna, I guess, develop it along, alongside player behavior and player needs and what they want. Um, so that is going to be our vision for developing uh, land so that it has, I guess it just feels like something that should happen more organically. Mm -hmm. um, is it a place you store your assets? Is it a place where you can host a raid, mm -hmm. where you can have like a boss character and design raids? Is it um, where in the universe will we let people have property and also... Um, will it be more valuable property than others? All things to consider, but like we have a lot of the designs and the world maps already drafted. So then now it's a matter of sitting with our game designers and storytellers and making sure that flow and meets also what players want from it. Sure. And then um, I guess one, one thing I didn't ask you and I probably should have at the beginning is, do you mind giving like just a brief summary of the core story I know you said it's cyberpunk and it, it sounds sort of futuristic, but are, are you able to give like, you know, three or four sentences as to kind of what the core story of the game itself is? You know, that's actually a really interesting question that I'm not sure I can answer because of the fact that I am not sure what I'm allowed to talk about or not yet because gotcha. the campaign isn't completely <laughs> designed for the, um, for the season one release, I don't know which is sensitive or not. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. I guess uh, we'll <laughs> yeah. just we'll just wait. The user can wait to to enjoy the story once once it's live. And remind me when it goes live. Is it you said the nineteenth? Yes, it goes live the nineteenth. We have um, we have like basically the trailers from our old season zero, which talks about you have your um, the different types of characters. And I guess a very high level story that might be worth checking out. But but yeah, I guess as far as what will the season one experience roll out be like, I, I can't really speak to that yet. So the the season concept, um, is that just like you're sort of rolling out gameplay mechanics in real time and then the user will be able to discover more about the storyline as the season progresses? Is that sort yeah. of the idea? Well, so every season will have basically new assets available that will be a part of that season, um, that will be special to the seasons. Um, and they will, they're set to be about six months, a season to be about six months. This first year might be a little bit slower just because we're getting out so much uh, like, said, like game mechanics integrated that we've been working on. There's so much content we've been building that it's just a much bigger monster for the first season. But then beyond that, it's a lot easier for us to basically issue the, the new assets for the next season and the story. Like all the pipelines are there, basically, if that makes sense. Um, sure. So yeah, but it's a path for new story, new content, uh, new gear, and, and additional levels. So characters will be unlocked for additional levels with additional cards. So basically, it'll be expansions. 
Gotcha. Okay. Almost like, yeah, expansions. Okay. That's a way my wow brain can understand. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I, I, I'm really interested in this. I'm excited to try it. So I'll wait like everyone else to see how it goes on the 19th. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know, you know, you've been tweeting a lot about coin. Um, and I just wanted to make sure I asked you what that project was about and if that's integrated in the Neon District or if that's separate. Yes, so coin is a, the actual name of the coin is coin under, underscore artist, um, but the ticker is coin. And it is something that we use as a, a way to have a tool that bridges the gap between the game company, myself, and the community. Um, with it, we do highly experimental projects like staking it for, um, you can liquidity mine basically for additional coin. And then, um, so just for anyone that doesn't know, liquidity mining is when you provide liquidity to, um, for example, Uniswap, and then you get what's called liquidity provider tokens back. Since you provided Ethereum coin to the market, you get this token back and then you can take that and stake it. And when you stake it, you start earning additional coin and actually another token, and this is the only way to get that token, which is called cred and it's, it's called street cred. And with it, like the game company or myself, we offer different incentives for being a cred. Like being a cred holder is basically being, um, it's like the underground currency of the cool kids club, essentially, where we give really sweet bonuses or opportunities or auctions for only cred holders. With coin, there's a much broader use case. So um, in Neon Strictly itself, for example, you can use coin to buy Neon, the in-game currency, uh, at a discount. And then also, uh, you can stake coin to earn um, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Uh, they can be art or they can be other game assets. Um, so we have an NFT farm system ecosystem. Uh, there's other farming systems like staking coin, cred, and a lot of times we support a partner token to earn um, shards of an NFT. And what shards are, are ERC-20 fractions of a non-fungible token. So if a non-fungible token has been sharded, then there's all this like fractional representation of it. And then people try to compete to own the NFT by owning all the shards. So there's a marketplace on what's called Niftex. Niftex is an exchange uh, for these shards and people compete on that exchange to own these different NFTs. So um, we just basically use coin to play around with lots of different DeFi or non-fungible token or social um, exper experiences. So in our Neon District Discord, we have um, a community that is private to only coin holders. So if you have coin, you can join what's called uh, Coins Eden and you have access to these private channels. You'll have a rank based on how much coin you own and you can participate in more of our sort of internal development. That's really cool. I gotcha. So it's sort of, it's parallel to the to the game company, but it also kind of has some ways of leveraging it to gain certain perks or access or um, goods or gear or something. Yep. Well, and also, so when I launched Coins Eden, it's a syndicate within Neon District. It's uh, what we're calling the first syndicate because we foresee a future where there'll be many syndicates. And I am the first um, self-appointed boss of the syndicate. <laughs> so, um, so while I get to call the final shot of things, uh, my community, the community tells, they contribute ideas, they say what they want. 
And we work together to develop that. It can either be outside of the game. It can be just our ecosystem of things we want to do with coin. And like you said, like it can also be within the Neon District universe. So if we want to have a presence in the world and we want to world build within that, you, so let's say when we decide to have land or maps, you know, I'm probably going to map out a special spot for Queens Eden that you'll only get to participate as a syndicate member. And then from there, like what perks do we want for ourselves? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this, this really becomes super rich when you start layering the stuff on top of each other, huh? Yeah. We're totally. And um, it, it's been so fun. Like even myself, um, I've had neon signs made. I love the coin logo. So it's like outrun sun with a palm tree. And like, I was totally geeking out on the immersion of it myself. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like, uh, so I grew up playing Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation and I just re-downloaded that. My son has a Switch and I saw that they ported over Final Fantasy VII to the Switch and I was like, shit, yeah, I'm going to download that. <laughs> and I'm in like the original city um, with the reactors and stuff. So I like, I'm just thinking of that when you're talking about this idea of your game and it, you know, it might be different, but it's just so cool to think about like that with blockchain, with NFTs built into it, with sort of coin mechanics and then RPGs over top of it with kind of a magic, the gathering flair to it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm jazzed. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. So this is, this is really fun stuff. Yeah, well, and you got to think about these blockchain projects. If we're going to be working on this for the next thirty years, potentially, mm -hmm. like, we're, and we get, and if we get to call the rules or, or make the rules and call the shots, and it can be anything we want, let's not imprison ourselves to something we don't want. Let's like spend this time building out this universe experience that where we want to really like spend our time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, is is Blockade Games working on anything else, or is are you sort of laser focused on Neon District at the moment? So we've had multiple past projects um, from Plasma Bears, which was the first free to play blockchain game, which kind of took that idea of um, the composability of the different NFTs. We were playing around with, okay, how do we make a free to play game, have this composability feature with NFTs? We did that um, early 2019, end of 2018, 2019, that had, um, we had Pineapple Arcade, which was like, these video games that had cryptocurrency that as you played them, you could try to unlock the, the, the Easter eggs and secrets and earn cryptocurrency. Um, we had Metaboss, which took basically, uh, basically all NFTs essentially equated to an inventory and a weight so that you would go to a multi, a, uh, it was a passive MMO. Um, of, so you'd pick a team and then everybody's weight combined and you'd go battle like there were battle events across the week, um, which was neat because uh, the idea of, okay, you have a bunch of NFTs in your wallets, but maybe half of them don't have any use case at all. This was a game that gave everything utility. Um, so we've just taken a lot of experiences that we've worked on along the way while we were still working on Neon District and pulled from them to now everything's going into Neon District. So Neon District is the end game and was always the end game. And we basically did it, all the experimenting we really wanted to do that outside of the experimentation we do with coin, everything now is going to be focused on Neon District and basically making it as robust and rich as possible. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, so where, where can users go to find out more? You said you guys have a social media account and obviously the website. 
Right. So the Neon District uh, Twitter is uh, Neon District RPG. And then the, um, the website is neondistrict.io. And then if you actually want to go to the game portal, it's portal.neondistrict.io. But you can get there all just from the main site. Very cool. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I know you're busy and we both have a hard stop in a few minutes. So I, I wanted to be I wanted to give you the opportunity if there's anything else you think uh, my listeners should know about the game or about the company or about coin is anything I missed. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess it's been, it's been pretty neat seeing, you know, we've been around for a long time um, and been pretty organic within the community and been growing with the community and supporting all the other projects alongside us when it's been neat from everything from this game launch to um, getting what trademark troll for somebody having trying to say cash tag coin was a trademark um, that seeing the whole community rally around all the work we've been doing and I guess standing with us as we are celebrating or going through a hard time it's just it's really in recent times has reinforced my love for why I made this life commitment to do this work and um, I'm so excited about, I guess, the community we've cultivated and now seeing all the creatives take off uh, and the success just all around us. I'm very excited that uh, this is the path we're on and that things have gone this way. I guess back in ICO season of 2016, 2017, I'm not sure, like I, I felt like this would happen, but I wasn't sure. And now that it is happening, I'm very excited about where we're gonna all go from here. Awesome. Yeah, no, it was, it was, I definitely noticed that in the current dust up about the coin trademark and stuff. It, it seemed like the entire community rallied around you. And, you know, like, like I said earlier in the podcast, we followed each other for a while. And I think, you know, the same sort of people I know around the community and uh, this community really takes care of its own, especially when, you know, there's threats from the outside. So I was happy to see that. And I hope all that works out um, but, uh, w- regardless of that, I'm super pumped to, you know, try out the game and I encourage my listeners to go and check it out and, um, you know, follow coin artist and get involved because it sounds like a really cool project. You know, it was, um, it, Naval said something recently and so did, um, Vitalik in his mm-hmm. newsletter, uh, something about how these different cultures within our space are are now really developing. Um, I guess I'm curious to see what happens when the real corporate entities try to enter the space now. You know, will they be successful in hijacking some of our success and taking it away from organic communities, or is it so robust now um, as individual entrepreneurs and independent developers that it's really ours? You know, or can they coexist? Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting philosophical question. I, you know, you are seeing like a lot of VCs come in and a lot of sort of big institutions on the Bitcoin side. And I think, you know, it seems to me like the lifeblood of crypto has managed to stay sort of true to itself for now. Um, and it's such a passionate tribal community in so many ways that I think I sort of imagine that'll change, especially given how many, how much resources sort of the people who are here first have now um, that they can, you know, they can hire lawyers if they need them. They can hire business folks, you know, they can invest in projects that 
match sort of their ethos and philosophy on what cryptocurrency is and should be. So I, I'm optimistic on that front. Um, and I think, you know, your success hopefully is a good um, precursor to, to more stories like that. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Especially for the creators. It's mm -hmm. because I feel like they're, well, you know, Satoshi said that you might win a new territory of freedom for a period of time, but I guess that battle of defending it will get interesting. So yeah. I, I thought we had a lot more time though, before it became a problem, you know? <laughs> I didn't expect the success to be so great that it was gonna instantly be like we're battling now, but. Yeah, I guess it's like that old that old Gandhi quote, quote, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then they <laughs> and then you win. It's sort of I feel like we're at the fighting stage now, but that's all right. We're a we're a tough bunch. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, coin artist. Well, hey, thanks a lot for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, and I'll put links to the website and stuff in the show notes if my users are interested in, you know, learning more about the game or or trying it out. Thank you so much. And, um, and, think, and you'll hit me up if anyone's playing the game. Definitely hit me up on social media or in our Discord. I'll, I'd love to battle you. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, and where's where's the Discord? Is that on the, the website? It's in the bio. Of, uh, it's probably on our website, but it's in the bio of our um, Twitter also. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, thanks again and look forward to trying the game out. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. New episodes go live every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Links to our Apple and Spotify channels are in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter at BullyESQ to continue the conversation. See you next week.